The Bruins flip another recruit from the state of Michigan. How's that going to impact UCLA football moving forward? All that and more on Locked On UCLA. You are Locked On UCLA, your daily podcast on the UCLA Bruins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to the Locked On UCLA podcast. I'm Zach Anderson, Yoxheimer, your host. Thanks for making this your first listen each and every day. It's free wherever you get your podcast, and it's available on YouTube. So like, comment, and subscribe over there. Thank you for your support. Download the audio versions. I thank you once again for tuning in. Starting August 1st, we're going to have some big-time basketball news that Mick Cronin teased prior to the weekend. Hires, commits, becoming official, signings, everything in between. So become an everydayer, an everyday listener to Locked On UCLA podcast because August 1st, as we've kind of started to show at the end of July, we're getting in there. We're getting big stuff. You're going to want to be with us and me here on the show as we talk some UCLA hoops, football, and everything in between on UCLA sports. What we're going to start with today for the Bruins is some somewhat breaking news here. At the end of July, yes, it's already crazy. Seven months have come and gone based on when you're listening to this podcast. And 2023 is going to tick into the eighth month of the year. But the Bruins have already got their 10th commit for the class of 2024 in their recruiting cycle. Another flip commitment, the second flipped commitment in this recruiting cycle. They already were able to flip a tight end, Rob Booker, from Wisconsin, flipping him from his nearby, basically native home school in the University of Wisconsin, Booker, eventually the 6'6 tight end who's got some big stuff. He flipped to UCLA, but the one that's the new one coming over, that's Jameer Benjamin, the West Bloomfield, Michigan native. And tell me if this kind of rings familiar, a Michigan kid flipping his commitment and coming over to UCLA. Benjamin, a 5'10", listed as a three-star cornerback on 24-7 sports. And what's interesting about Jameer Benjamin, and you've probably heard this by now, but we're going to remind you if you have not heard about Benjamin, he's the second DB in the class of 24 for UCLA. I talked about how the Bruins already are at a need desperately this year for linebacking help. And in the secondary, when we talked about Ben Bolch's burning questions for this year's team and where are they addressing what they need depth at the offensive line they're building that in 2024 with four o-line commits linebacking help they've already got two two db commits and if you go based off the composite rankings for ucla's class in 24 based off stars and where they're at you've got benjamin and christian dunbar hawkins the first commit and ucla's most recent and 10th commitment the two dbs near the top of the list of guys who can come in and be maybe immediate impact guys in the Big Ten or at least build for UCLA's Big Ten future. But more on Benjamin specifically, he's a unique guy in terms of his recruiting. Had a lot of offers, had a lot of opportunities to go to specific schools at the D1 FBS level. In November of 2022, he was a Stanford commit. Okay, he was committed to Stanford in November 2022. April 2023, he decommits, reopens his commitment. So he started initially committed to a Pac-12 school at Stanford. So if you're committed to Stanford, the academics are there and a priority. June 8th, he committed to Northwestern, another school who is premier academically. July 30th, he decommits. And you could all point the fingers to what's happened 
recently and all the things that have come out about the hazing allegations, multiple things that just are very, very ugly in the North in the Northwestern Athletic Department, especially with the football program with Pat Fitzgerald being canned and everything that's got to be fixed with them not even being able to hire a real head coach this late in the season heading into the future. So obviously that was something that you look at maybe guys who might leave Northwestern or maybe decommit. Benjamin was one of those guys who got an offer from UCLA, recently went on a two-day visit over the weekend near the end of July, and decommitted from Northwestern on July 30th. And on July 31st, the recording of this pod, he commits to UCLA. A big get for the Bruins. Kind of a, a interesting story of the Bruins. Showcase, hey, we can come here, we can bring you guys. And this is what was Benjamin's quote as to why he came to UCLA and flipped his commitment. The academics. They have good academics, and I get to get a closer vibe with and I got to get a closer vibe with the coaches based on his overall official visit. I talked to Jordan Anderson a little bit, and he likes it up there. They're coming to the Big Ten, so that's big for my family to be able to come to the away games, which is important. He talked about everything stood out. The campus is beautiful, and the coaches are all good guys. We were hanging out and I got to talk ball with them, which now you get to see another Michigan guy. I talked about how in 2025. They've thrown a lot of commit, a lot of offers out to West Coast guys. And now it's someone who's a DB, their second Midwest commitment in the class of 24 alongside the Wisconsin native Rob Booker, talking about how the road games, yes, Westwood's cool and you can watch those games from home, at least maybe for his family, but all the road games and the cool environments, they can still watch him and come to his games when he's a part of UCLA and the Northwestern fallout, right? How many guys who have the academics and the grades to go to UCLA, let alone Stanford, Northwestern, and UCLA being accepted or able to go to all those schools and recruited to all those places speaks to what Benjamin has academically, a three-star prospect, top 30 cornerback in the class of 24, number 10 rising junior in the state of Michigan. And this is what his scouting report is. Quick-footed corner who has good technique, good cover man, can change his direction really well. Showed really well at the Under Armour All-America camps in the state of Ohio. And the big thing is he's someone who specifically, as put in this report, fills a need in this class. What we talked about the day before fills a specific need the Bruins are hitting home at. One of the three spots UCLA needs to fill. And he's the second quarter of the class giving UCLA versatility. Can be on the slot, can play on the outside, can be all around in multiple positions in the secondary, secondary while being very rarely beaten in advance or games that the 24-7 sports people have covered. Overall, he's a guy who's supposed to be versatile, very good, very quick, doesn't get beaten too often, has the academics, and is a guy that can bring in, hopefully Grover's last high school season, and bring to UCLA a toughness mindset, the ability to play multiple positions, which can help Danton Lynn's defense overall with this aggressive mindset the Bruins are trying to instill this year in 2023 and beyond for UCLA football. So now the Bruins have 10 commits, four O-linemen, two linebackers, two DBs, only two skill positions. Cameron Jones, who I believe was the most recent UCLA commit in early July out of St. John Bosco, and then Ron Booker, who was the other Midwest commit and who also got flipped in this recruiting class. He's the tight end, the 6'6 man for the 5'10 DB, about 170 pounds in Jameer Benjamin. We hope that this is a good sign of things for UCLA to come. I was a little shocked that they hadn't gone a lot more for Midwest guys, bringing them out West for home games 
with all the road games going to be closer to home to those Midwest Midwest families. In the end, Benjamin comes, can maybe be a sign of things to come, and initially helps UCLA. That two of their better recruits are defensive backs. That's got to be a good sign for us as UCLA fans that they flip another commit and bring in a three-star guy. Benjamin is the guy from West Bloomfield, Michigan. Now the Bruins are slightly rounding out their class quickly based on what their overall commitment rank, 55 in the country for the composite rank for their 2024 commits. Kelly's going to hit a lot in the portal. We know this post the season who stays, how much they have coming back this next year from 23 into 24 will impact that transfer portal class or even the later signing day in terms of high school recruits. Yet here UCLA is picking their certain pieces, building a program where Big Ten life is coming sooner than we realize. August 2nd, 2024 is when UCLA moves to the Big Ten, which I thought it was fascinating considering the athletic just wrote an article detailing UCLA and USC's move to the Big Ten on July 31st. Nicole Arbach, who wrote a nice piece up and down. So what's Big Ten life going to look like? We see what the recruiting game is helping do for UCLA football and maybe UCLA basketball to an extent. How is the travel puzzle, the realignment world in college football, college sports, how are they going to change all these travel schedules, specifically for UCLA and SC? The Athletic dove in quite a bit, and I'm going to read some things I thought were interesting and give you my thoughts as we build forward and move on in Locked On UCLA. Well, when you want to build a championship team, you're going to want to go to eBay Motors because when you're looking for parts that fit, whether it be Chip Kelly with his latest commitment and flip, whether it's Chip, whether it's Mick Cronin, who's about to announce some more official commits and new coaching staff hires, every piece, especially when it comes to your vehicle, right, needs to be a perfect fit to just fit right. For parts, accessories, head to eBay Motors. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, you can make sure that every part you need fits right the first time around. You can add your ride to My Garage and look for the green check to know the part will fit or your money back. Like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop on eBay Motors. Over 120 million plus parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. It's easy to bring home a win when the parts are guaranteed. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay guaranteed fit, only available to U.S. customers, eligible items only, exclusions apply. Cruising on the Locked On UCLA podcast, Zach anderson Yox, I'm with you guys. We talked about how Jameer, ne- Jameer Benjamin is coming to UCLA, just flipped his commitment for the second time in his whirlwind of a recruiting cycle, committing to Stanford in November, then decommitting in April of this year, only to commit to Northwestern about two months later, decommit just a day prior to the recording of this podcast at the end of July to commit to UCLA after a two-day official visit. Consider all the Northwestern falling out. Stanford bringing in a new regime coaching-wise with Sean not coming back. They have a new coaching uh, coaching style, new coach over there at Stanford and Troy Taylor. And now the Bruins may be able to steal one through the cracks that fits the academic standards of UCLA to be a good guy in a need that they have for the 24 class defensively in the secondary. Which brings us here, how much is the Big Ten move impacting recruiting? We're seeing maybe leaps and bounds for a couple of Michigan flip commitments, but what's it going to look like for the travel schedule? And I've gone over this over and over. I've talked about the likes of the University of Hawaii, various LA Times articles, various other pieces that have been written from all sorts of 
different places, but for the athletic, a great talk about how UCLA and USC moving to the Big Ten is coming within a year, right? August 2nd, 2024 is when we all get to become Big Ten conference members as UCLA fans. And the big thing is there's a long checklist what UCLA and SC have to do to accommodate different pieces, different ideas about longer trips. And some of the things are travel alone isn't a new concern, but the length of the trips in the aggregate will be. Can they provide all the support that their programs need and do it in a cost-effective manner is the big question that this article by Nicole Arbach proposes in The Athletic. And I think, all right, what are you going to do? I know for UCLA and SC, they've talked about and tried to dive in a bit deeper in terms of, hey, what are we going to do to do things? And what some of this article proposes is, hey, maybe beyond just football, because we've seen the Flex Protects, Flex Protect Plus model, football schedules are made basically years in advance, especially early on. And with now the scheduling rotation, they should have a hold on that. It's all the other sports that will make an important decision for the Big Ten commissioner, the Big Ten scheduling, and everything in between. Do you see a UCLA men's soccer team combined with the USC women's volleyball team, have them take charters? or commercial flights together and bus together on the road, right? Playing in Illinois and in Northwestern, which was an example highlighted. You might see rival programs team together to travel together in addition to the building of mental health programs, nutritionists, dietitians, all that to make the life for a student athlete even better moving into the Big Ten. UCLA, which was written in this article, went and actually polled close to 300 student athletes about what they don't like, what they're excited about, and what they don't feel like they have at the moment. What is something that Martin Germain, who went out and made this a big thing, what do they need to fix? And what he found was, one, the competition, the excitement, the sheer volume of national-level competition in a big-time conference is the thing that allures everybody for this new move coming up in the next year. But they're all worried about the travel, the mental health, the dietary, everything in between to where UCLA's realized, all right, we ne- we're not at the level we need to be. It's what Martin Germain, I believe, was quoted as saying. They need to get better. So the additions of the mental health experts, the ability to find ways. Is it going to be those Wi-Fi hotspots, bring in more academic advisors, mental health, all the dietitians, everybody with nutritionists who can help build all of this for a l- longer travel? And you wonder... How are they going to eat and sleep? Is it on West Coast time? They never change it. Are they going to flip it back and forth? Will travel impact post-travel practices, right? Post-cross-country flights, will they not practice? Do you practice before a flight? Do you practice and walk through in the airport? All sorts of different things that these teams will have to do. But what I found fascinating is that the idea is that these guys don't think that there will be more travel days. It's the idea that with the time change, you can fly back on a Sunday and get back in time for Monday classes, you can get back earlier from bigger airports with later options as opposed to flying back from Pullman or different various locales in the Pac-12 where they might be a bit remote, right? Right. I remember traveling with a team one time going to Eugene on a Sunday night as a college student, and we were we left the game. It was uh, They played the Oregon Ducks. It was a Sunday night. The flight got canceled via a weather delay, or it was so delayed they had three more. They had, the plane was stuck in Seattle, had to fly to Eugene. And 
mind you, I'm with student athletes. I'm a student myself traveling with the team. And eventually, while stuck in some horrible rain delay, the plane was having problems. We were stuck with either having to sleep in the airport or night, find a place to stay. And Eugene, there were limited options for hotels. And eventually, our team, we had to fly from Eugene. We're trying to get to SoCal. We're trying to get to the L.A. area. We flew from Eugene to Seattle, spent the night for two hours, woke up at the cra- or before the crack of dawn. Mind you, this is November in Seattle, so it's ice cold. We've been sweaty. These players just played a game where they played the Sabrina Ionescu Oregon Ducks. So you know that didn't go too well pre-COVID. And then we had to get up early in the morning, fly from Seattle all the way back to L.A., get to LAX in Monday morning, and all of a sudden you still got to go to get, to school, go to class, get back, and deal with the L.A. traffic coming from LAX, which you know can be just horrendous. Maybe not the worst Monday morning at 8 a.m., but we know how it is, especially if you're living in L.A., which is my example of, I'll tell you, I did not go to class that next day, that next morning. I texted my teacher said, yeah, we're not going. I'm not sure how the rest of the actual student-athletes did. I was just a traveling member of the party. But think about what's going to happen with weather delays. For all these different players, the mental health and all that has to grow building and building and building for the future travels. And it seems like both UCLA and SC are on the same mindset. The overall travel days might not be much. It's the length of the travel they're worried about. It's the length that they're going to have to deal with. Can they get the athletes academic? Can they keep their minds healthy and sound when you're putting an enormous amount of pressure? There's so much money being poured into this, much more national exposure that these student athletes might feel more pressure and less time to recover with more travel time in the air or maybe commercial flights and everything that you might see them hanging out in LAX waiting for a 15-hour connection or something dumb like that, right? Those are all the things that were posed in this question, but it seems like the UCLA SC leadership are realizing maybe overall there's some good benefits. The expanded airports, the bigger airports can get these student athletes back. They're expecting, hopefully, despite the rigorous, insane travel, that you might have students be there better or more for more of their Monday classes as opposed to just suffering the length of travel for one extended plane, right? That could be rough on the body, especially for the much taller, bigger, wider, whatever you want to say. Sitting on a plane is not comfortable if you're for a long time because most plane seats are not conducive for any body type. It doesn't matter. So if you're sitting in a plane for hours and hours on end, you think of most student athletes, they're much stronger, bulkier, taller, whatever term you want to use, it's probably not going to be conducive to sitting on a commercial flight for a lot of these student athletes because they're not all going to be chartered flights going from LA, going across the country, going to Newark, going to Maryland. You're just not going to get that for these student athletes. But in the end, a lot was proposed, and a lot of these things were they're thinking about it. 365 days or a little more to build and propose and find the right idea, which might turn into the wrong idea in a year or two, but they're thinking about it. And while there is so much money, you could argue greed and TV and money really pushing these athletes into something that we really don't know and expect what we expect about what's coming up in the future for Big Ten Live, but they're thinking about it. And it's this travel puzzle that the Big Ten commissioner is trying to solve, UCLA leadership is trying to solve, 
and they're slowly putting it to work to find the right pieces into the puzzle. What's it going to mean for a big team like UCLA softball when they're playing Big Ten teams? And maybe the Big Ten wants UCLA softball to win so they can get a Big Ten title. Are they going to focus on the regular season, make regular season schedules easier, and have reduced travel only to have everybody travel to one hub for a postseason tournament? Those are all questions that are being asked, attempted to be answered, and maybe will be solved within the first five years. Probably not the first year or two, but that's what they're building towards, heading into the future. Those are all things and a lot of interesting thoughts for UCLA and their new Big Ten rivals moving along with USC. To wrap up this show for Locked On UCLA, there's another, yes, a lot of article reading today, a lot of stories coming out all today, breaking news, interesting prose thoughts about the Big Ten move for UCLA and SC, and then a heartwarming heartwarming journalism story by Ben Bolch about, you know, a heartbreaking, tragic event about Bill McGovern and his family, about how UCLA and USC coaches, uh, students, friends and family actually came together. If the family members, the coaches came together to help the Bill McGovern family, the UCLA family, despite the UCLA-SC differences, a great article. I'm going to talk about that when we come up next, about how rivals united as one during a family struggle especially after the recent passing, unfortunately, of Bill McGovern. We'll talk about that when we come back on Locked On UCLA. So I know this probably wasn't the easiest article to write for Bill McGo- for, for Ben Bolch on Bill McGovern, adding some pieces, to, some pieces to the story that maybe we didn't know about the overall journey for Bill McGovern just to coach one season at UCLA as a defensive coordinator really paints a picture and then the added story, the added the added parts to it, where the UCLA SC coaches they all come together, the families, uh, and the things I wanted to paint here were how the, the life of a football coach going back and forth, the the man that Bill McGovern was, how close and how tight Chip Kelly and, and Coach McGovern were, and just how you forget that these coaches, these players all have families and lives outside of the game that they love and want to grow and play and coach for so long for the late, great Bill McGovern. And one of the biggest things was he's still got a few daughters, does Bill McGovern. And his daughter, Mackenzie, actually had a high school graduation a few years after is where this article starts about she graduated from high school, went to the funeral, had to speak at the eulogy, and then graduated from high school a couple of days later. I, I just don't know the mental fortitude, the strength, and the ability, how you were able to do that without a support group like the one that Mackenzie McGovern was able to give. So here's where the story starts about how UCLA was looking for a defensive coordinator. Uh, Bill McGovern, who you know was in the, the stages of maybe trying to get with the UCLA program, and right within the early stages of his coaching days at UCLA, five months after he became the UCLA defensive coordinator, he suffered a seizure uh, a year ago, basically, in July of 2022. And it was the result of the cancer spreading from his, the parts, other parts of his body to his brain when he was moving from New Jersey at the time and eventually told Chip Kelly, hey, I'm moving from New Jersey to California. This is what's happening. I had a small seizure, but don't worry about it, is what he told Chip Kelly. And Chip was trying to do the best to say, hey, you're trying to act too tough. 
And in the end, Bill McGovern, which I probably said before in a previous episode about how he didn't want to have everybody know about it. He wanted nobody but very immediate family and the coaches to know about it. He didn't even want the players to know about it so that they wouldn't be asked questions over and over again. Despite us all wondering what was going on and being left in the dark, this is why he didn't want anybody to know about it. And a bigger thing that I found interesting is how the article goes on to say that he had 13 different stops in his 38-year coaching career and through various parts of his family. It, it gets to a point where, as the article speaks, and even coaches, if you've listened or watched or seen, when the coaches younger kids, in this case from McGovern's daughters, where when their children reach high school, they tend to like to stay in a similar spot for all four years before they go to college, and then they make a decision, or the kids might be influential, more influential in the decision-making, where Bill McGovern was, where he had his daughter Mackenzie going into her senior year of high school, and he was offered the UCLA job to move across the country, right? And she was going to lose her senior year with her high school friends. And you could have some kids who might think differently. Mackenzie was like, we're going to Westwood. And they moved to Southern California in the middle of all this nuttiness that McGovern was going through with life and everything in between. The McGoverns had this sign in their home that said, we interrupt this marriage to bring you football season. And that's the the moxie and the mantra they had during a 38-year coaching career by Bill McGovern and his second wife, Colleen, that, you know, sometimes being in relationships in the sports industry, in the coaching, all various parts of sports can be tough. And they had that growth and, you know, the idea that there's an unwritten rule in coaching. Once children who have been dragged from one place to another to reach high school, they get to decide where their fathers take a new job that requires another move, is Ben Bolcher's quote. And eventually what was said, as I said already, McKenzie said, all right, Westwood Ho, I'm not going to let my dad have this great op- – I'm not going to have my dad miss this opportunity because uh, I want to stay at my high school. She said, all right, let's move. So they moved to Southern California, found ways to go get New Jersey-style pizza or thin crust pizza and find local ice cream joints that brought father and daughter closer together. Even though one daughter was just off to college further away across the country, yet one daughter moving into a new high school, all that – just to make this happen for one year. All these things that we don't know behind the scenes. Eventually, UCLA, those first few weeks, everything was going great. Chip Kelly and the coaches were all helping organizing this cancer fundraiser called Biking for Billy. They would bring Bill McGovern home from work because he wouldn't be able to drive. They took prom photos with McKenzie so that they could all be with her. But then eventually, they were all thinking this kind of heartwarming tale would have Bill McGovern beating cancer. We all thought when he proclaimed at the end of the 22 season that he was healthier and getting on the mend, but eventually he, it just didn't go according to plan. But this is where the building of the USC family comes in to tie in for the UCLA family. There is a connection between Colleen McGovern and Becky Grinch, the wife of USC defensive coordinator, Alex Grinch, and how there is this, texting chain about how how does the family adjust to a new life or a senior year away from friends, right? In this great article and how there was a time when at USC had an offensive coordinator named Josh Henson and his family kind of had to struggle. Their, their children had to deal with some 
or the daughter, Kate Henson, ha- as mentioned in the article, had some time struggling moving from a different part of the country, from Texas to Southern California so quickly with, with limited adjustment time. And eventually two rival families, quote unquote rival families, had o- met over ice cream and started hanging out. And eventually word spread from rival coaches' daughters who became dear friends that it spread throughout the USC coaching locker room about Bill McGovern's illness. And eventually the USC coaches' wives from Lincoln Riley's wife, Caitlin, you have Shauna Henson, Becky Grinch, McKenzie Odom. They're all sending powerful prayers, food deliveries over to the UCLA side of things where Dave Nickel, who tragically passed of cancer back in early 22, a receiver's coach, for most of the USC staff, they'd experienced something similar, which is listed in the article about how you know, something heartbreaking had just happened in their coaching locker room not too long ago. Lincoln Riley said, listen, we all support each other and we all compete against each other and all that, but we're kind of our own little community of coaches and we all know what each other goes through. The challenges that this job brings, not only for us, the coaches, but even more so for our families. And so you kind of felt like you were just right there with them the whole way. And what we didn't realize is that when Bill McGovern who is trying to get back in, suffered a seizure the night before the Stanford game and was actually released from the hospital the day before the USC game, was hoping to be able to coach that USC game, and he was not uh, allowed because Chip Kelly said, no, that's not going to happen. But eventually, the, the health got worse, even though he planned to be the defensive coordinator in 2023. It was his leg weakness that you know they realized it wasn't going to happen. So he stepped away from his duties. And overall, it eventually led to a sad moment where they had Kate Henson, the daughter of a USC coach, Mackenzie McGovern, who had dressed up, got, were getting ready to go to prom together. Mackenzie was actually going to go to the prom dance with the son of a USC sports, uh, director of sports performance. So all these things coming together. I know this is a long-winded story, but basically just how the two families come together to make a nice prom moment happen. And then eventually the inevitable happened, as we mentioned in late May, where Bill McGovern passed away, you know, at the, the age of 60 to where McKenzie was at the funeral, gave a eulogy. And then a couple of days later had graduation. So then UCLA and USC families all came together to celebrate her high school graduation in a heartwarming tale. And it was great to see that there were both staffs there celebrating McGovern's life, celebrating McKenzie's life. And while McKenzie's gone on to go to college, Colleen's moved back and you've got the, the honoring ceremony of Bill's life during September 2nd, which we hope all the Bruins will stand up and thunderously applause for Bill McGovern and what he went through when they honor him during, and his life during the Coastal Carolina game. You know, it's been a growth, right? And this is what Mackenzie said is the final quote. My biggest issue after my dad passed away was everyone looked at me like, oh, poor you, like a pity cause. And they never made me feel like that way once. They made me, they made us feel like family and they just made us all feel like we had a huge support system and we're not alone in this. So she actually has become a fan of both schools, both coaching staffs who have come together, all the coaches' wives from both sides to try and help the Bill McGovern family grow through this time of trouble, which I thought was a great story and, you know, a fantastic way of how rivals uniting as one can meet and make something powerful, even in the moment 
of tragedy, a light in, in the darkness, if you will, which, you know, sometimes they can be greater things than sports, greater things than UCLASC. And I know on certain game days, it might not seem like that, but this was something that despite disdains for each university based on whatever, it, it was a nice, great story. You should go read it in the LA Times by Ben Bolch about the two schools, the two staffs weaving together, despite, you know, quote unquote, quote unquote differences to help bring some happiness and help in times of need for the McGovern family. So in the meantime, I suggest you read that. I thought it was a great article, very well written, and another important story in the life that, you know, sometimes wins and losses aren't as all they as they might make it seem, right? They're not just everything. It, there's a little bit beyond that. There is more beyond to just what happens on the field or off the field in workouts. It's the greater life picture as a whole as we try to grasp it and enjoy every single moment of it, which is where I'm going to leave you guys today for the Locked On UCLA podcast. UCLA fans, get your hands up. Eight clap time, baby. We're going to have more and more stuff going on. Remember, football's right around the corner. Hug your friends, hug your family members, love them as dearly as possible. And uh, just, you know, even though there might be people we disagree in life, just always loving attitude. We'll try and have that. Eight clap time, baby. And one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, U, C, L, A, U, C, L, A, fight, fight, fight. This has been Locked on UCLA. Zach Anderson-Yoxheimer signing off. Talk to you soon.